This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time. We'll get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. So we had had something prepared. Uh, we were going to do a bit over several weeks where Chris Moxley took over the show and kicked people off the show based on the lack of support for that individual host. Well, Chris had a family emergency that he had to attend to, so we kind of had to pull the plug on the bit. But we really need to just take this moment to say, how much support there actually had been for the show, not just in the last couple of weeks, but from the beginning. I mean, we like to make fun of ourselves and poke fun at the podcast format and to do things different. And we were saying (laughs) that there wasn't support for the show, but there actually, there's legitimate support. I mean, not only have we gotten reviews from you guys, but the reviews are like so specific that we can tell you understand the inside jokes. We can understand, we can tell that you actually get the show. And it's kind of endearing because I think when we started this, Austin, at least I know for me, I wanted to make Austin laugh and I wanted to get under Matt's skin. And we poke, poke and prod each other and we do different stuff to keep the show entertaining. But guys, when we look at the support that we've gotten in the last two weeks, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I'll, I'll double those sentiments. That's all I've got. No, thank you guys very much. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, Got lots of reviews and everything. Obviously, uh, would have liked to to get Matt out of here for a week, get Felix out of here for a week, and uh, you know, just just sit down with Chris a little bit. But it wasn't meant to be. But yeah, thank you guys so much. And um, we're almost to a hundred episodes, so I mean, we'll we'll do a hundred more, and then maybe we'll call it quits. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when we started this, I didn't think it was going to become what it kind of has become. I mean, it's almost I think a reflection too of. The, I I say family, the family that we're building at C2C, like in our Discord, like the, 
the the hashtag C2C movements. We've got people that like, I don't want to say they're like borderline crazy fans, but they kind of are with the way that they know our inside jokes. They, they kind of tweet at us different stuff. Like you said, the reviews, it's, it is funny going in there. Not even just the ones that we've gotten recently. You can go all the way back to some of the very first ones that we've got. They clearly understand the inside jokes of the show. It's just, it's it's fun to be able to come out here and do this because I know for the most part we do this stuff just because we enjoy talking to each other and just talking football. And then to see that the, there's actual fans that enjoy us doing this is is um it it's definitely makes it worth staying up because I'm really tired right now. But I'm I'm kidding. It, it, it definitely <laughs> makes it worth being here every Wednesday night and doing this. It's I think it's just surprising to realize that oh people are actually listening and paying attention and have an appreciation for what it is that we do. So we appreciate you all also. So we had started producing content in preparation for today's show and the next week's show, which would have been, I guess would have been moxed complete. So Chris Moxley was going to take over the show and then threaten to actually end the show um, because of there wasn't any support. So Matt had actually <laughs> went out and produced some content in anticipation of that. What are you, so obviously, you know, cats out of the bag. Yes, it was all a hoax, but you have some content that you produced and what are we, can you, I don't know how to set this up for you. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it was a, we, we got to say goodbye to you last week. And so we just put together a little something to say goodbye to Austin. Chris was going to run it as just like a, where, you know, obviously Austin was, practically about to be fired but we all know that he's sitting on a, a mound of money and that probably means he's just gonna go drink margaritas with with jeff bezos every week and now not have to worry about coming back and hanging us with us you know common folk so we just thought we put together a nice little video thanking him for his service with the debbie debate hey austin it's Mike, uh, a.k.a. Dirty Mike. Um, I'm sorry to hear that you got fired. Uh, you're no longer a part of the boys. But, you know, I, I really want you to know that it's just not you. It's us as a company. We think we can do better. Your lukewarm takes and poor calls on players like Michael Jackson III and Jalen Wally leave us confused and just not wanting any more. Uh, you have four eyes and you can't seem to use one of them to find any type of talent out there. And your little man syndrome leads to harsh criticisms of others in the workplace. You are a menace to the C2C society by the way you manipulate the markets. And, you know, I just want to say good luck and maybe try your hand at Walter football. I think maybe you could fit in with that group over there. Good luck to you, Austin. Hey guys, so I just heard the breaking news. Uh, Austin's no longer on Debbie Debate uh, due to his lukewarm takes and even more lukewarm cop impression. Uh, gotta say, it's it's definitely a sad day in the C2C world. Um, Austin has been a staple of the show since it began. You know, as long as he didn't have a vacation in the Maldives or a gala on Jeff Bezos's boat. Um, but honestly, it's, it's probably for the best that he's no longer with the show. Um, you know, now they'll be able to bring in somebody with an actual backbone. Uh, I heard the co-host of a little show called Campus Life is available. Uh, not the grumpy one who tells his co-host to shut the fuck up all the time. The other one, uh, the handsome one. Uh, but either way, with Austin finally gone, uh, the show will probably be watchable again. And that's even with one star worthy Ohio State homerism coming from one of the remaining co-hosts. Uh, so I just want to say good luck moving forward without Austin. Austin, uh, don't let the door hit you. On hey, Austin, this is Devin Brown, quarterback at Ohio State. Um, Felix and Matt kind of put me up to this, um, but they just feel it's best that best for them, best for the company. But uh, you're going to be being kicked off the Debbie Debate podcast. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm the one that has to give you this information, but um, I guess that's just how they want it done. They just feel your takes are way too mild um, and, and they think you're out of shape, um, which I guess they just don't feel you're right for the company. Um, and you don't understand that they're so much smarter than you. 
So, uh, sorry again, I'm having to give you that information. That last voice you heard was one Pattinton O'Neill, a character, I guess is a new character, uh, entering the show, uh, an Australian character. Of course, it was, uh, well, we're not, we're not going to reveal all of the secrets. If you're listening to this, you need to go check out the YouTube video to get the full spectrum. And that was Ohio State quarterback Devin Brown uh, wishing Austin his best. All right. Um, Devin uh, uh, Brown, Devin Brown calling me fat kind of hurt a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, that that really really cut deep. Uh, in in fairness to him, I told him to say that. So he was just like, uh, "What do you want me to roast him on?" I was like, "Ah, he's gotten fat and he's lukewarm takes." And he's like, "Okay, I can take it from there." Man, that hurts. That hurts. Devin Brown obviously dev- definitely gets the show. If if um, it helps. The rest of the video, which I will send to you here in a minute, is much better. He is very complimentary of the fact that you were early in on him, that you believe in him as QB1. So, My guy. Well, another QB1, at least for Baylor, is Blake Shapin, guys. Um, has been named by Dave Aranda and, quite frankly, probably Jeff Grimes there as the starting quarterback unseating Jerry Bohannon. What is your reaction to this? And does it matter for campus to Canton leagues? Austin, let's go to you first. So I actually watched a bunch of spring games last weekend, but I did not watch Baylor. I know you guys were, were covering that one. And, and so I spent my time elsewhere. I believe there were like 24 games last weekend. Um, so my big takeaway isn't necessarily on him winning the job, although I think it would have been hard. Like Jerry Bohan is not a particularly good quarterback. He's just, you know, kind of athletic and will keep him in a, you know, a conservative offense, give him like a little bit of a spark. But what my takeaway is that like kudos, major, major, major kudos to Dave Aranda and this staff for deciding this now and giving Bohan the chance to enter the portal before this May 1st deadline. So he can play somewhere else next year. I think this is what we talk a lot on this show. I mean, Felix, but you, you've been incredibly harsh on Ryan day, for instance, who, you know, loads up at a, at a position and then you know these guys are kind of hung out to dry they sit on the bench they don't play at all even though they don't really have a third guy there aranda went out of his way to make sure that these guys were put in the best position you know you're our starter you're not going to be our starter if you want the opportunity to, to, to get that kind of playing time go somewhere else so major major kudos to that staff for doing that i would like to say that this could maybe spark other staffs do this but i really doubt it you really don't have to look any further than across the state there at texas where sark is letting hudson card think he's still in this when he's not like at usc where miller moss is being told that he's he has a chance against caleb williams there like there there's so many of these places where we literally all are apparently in on the joke and this poor kid isn't and that's not what college football is about uh, kudos to Dave Aranda, but I, I want to dive into the analysis of its uh, effects for C2C because I think Blake Shapin is a top 45-ish quarterback that should be rostered now. This Jeff Grimes offense is the same offense that produced Zach Wilson. It is a combination of 49ers, wide zone, and air raid. That is how it's been described, um, and we know the numbers that Zach Wilson put up. Well, Blake Shapin in his second year, he's a redshirt freshman, completed over 72% of his passes, I believe. He is a, this is not meant to be a pejorative. He is somewhat of a game manager, but he has been an efficient one. He 
completes passes, moves the chains, and occasionally will take the accurate deep shot, but completes them. So he is going into his third year, his redshirt sophomore year, in an offense that already produced a number two pick. Matt, I think that it is something that we at least need to pay attention to. I slotted him in right at 41, ahead of Keaton Slovis, ahead of Donovan McCauley, ahead of Garrett Schrader. The Whether or not those guys are NFL quarterbacks, is, I think is probably already conceded. And so I put him ahead of those guys because of the potential, because of the offense. He's right behind. I got him right behind Michael Pratt. Yeah, I think it makes sense to take a shot on a player like this around that range. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I actually had a chance to talk with um, Austin Novasad, who's committed there. He's a 20, uh, 2023 quarterback recruit, and we actually talked a little bit about Dave Aranda. Uh, he's had a chance to talk with him multiple times. They talked a lot about how, because we all know Dave Aranda is more of a defensive-minded head coach, but he talked to Austin Novasad about how he wanted to bring someone in, which they did, as you just mentioned, who can run a more high-prolific offense because he thinks that that matters in the Big 12. We know that Jerry Bohannon wasn't it. Uh, you have him a little bit. You have uh, hit Blake ranked a little bit higher than I do. I think I put him in at like 53, I think is what I, I posted on your tweet or something like that. So it wasn't much farther down, but that's just kind of like my first reaction where I put him in there. I mean, we know, despite what some say, every time one of us says the, the Big 12 doesn't have good defense, it's like, oh, well, they have Oklahoma State and Baylor. Well, they're not playing Baylor's defense, except for in practice. And Oklahoma State's defense, I think, will take a step back this year um, in losing Jim Knowles to Ohio State. So I do think that there's a chance that they could be very aggressive through the air. And while I don't know how much it matters in C2C, because typically you're wanting to get one of those top 24 guys, but if he does start playing well and does start jumping up to that top 30 range, then I do think that it really does matter. But right now, I, I, I've got him right around 50. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. You're not going to be surprised. Austin, sorry. I saw the comment. Which is Matt had to get some Ohio State in there. Austin, where do you have Blake Shapin ranked? I haven't put him in my rankings yet. Um the the calculus that will go into it though for me once I can kind of sit down and watch this and think about Baylor's offense as a whole. Um, you you would talk a little bit feel like he's kind of a game manager, and then again, you didn't mean that in a negative way. You're just kind of describing his play style. So if he's a game manager, odds of him being a legitimate NFL draft prospect someday, I don't know. If we're trying to kind of say like I I like the last year or so I've kind of been developing this. Like I either want a guy that's a high end Debbie asset or a high end college producer. And I want nothing in between. I know that's like the dream for it, but like, you know, that I really trying to min max this, this roster on, on like a campus to Canton, for instance, I don't think I have a, a, a want for him at all. So I think he'll actually be a little bit lower on him than you guys are in terms of pure Debbie. I'm probably not going to rank him in my quarterbacks for now. We'll give him a couple weeks let him get in the Big 12 play, see what he can do then. Um, but I don't, I, I'll probably put him in my C2C rankings, which go at quarterback uh, right around 100 deep. Uh, my Debbie go to about 60 deep, and he will not be on that 60 deep. It might, it might be like 50. I, I mean, there's not 60 quarterbacks we care about. Six foot, 192 pounds. So, you know, we, we kind of got to see him be a leader, either a very prolific passer throwing the ball aggressively down the field or add some du dual threat ability. He's not really a dual threat. I mean, yeah. his high end comp would probably be like Baker Mayfield or, or something like that. So he needs to jump up my ranking is what you're saying. Th that's kind of why I, w I wasn't sure where right. to put him. Right. He had like negative 49 rushing yards in high school. Like he's not a dual threat guy at all. And, and so Baylor, that's. Does Baylor have like a solid receiving core this year? I mean, they lose Thornton. Not, not really. Like, uh, I don't yeah. know. Like, what they, I, I don't know if they'll elevate his stock by making him look good. Yeah. Like, and, but I also and don't know how much that matters as well. Like, I don't want to say every Big 12 defense is complete trash, but if he's able to, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, as much as we like to crap on Casey Thompson, there were weeks that he was actually viable for fantasy. Now, granted, he had Xavier Worthy, but really outside of Worthy last year, he didn't have much, but he was because he was just dumping the ball off to players. Like, with some of the guys that Baylor has, maybe if he's able to jump off and just manage the games. I mean, if, if it's going to end up being a higher scoring affair, maybe he puts up points. But that's why, that's why I was like, I, I have him at 50. I think I put him 52, 53 right now. And I'm kind of with Austin. Let's give him a couple weeks, see what happens. And then I'll either move him up, 
maybe I'll move him down if he plays bad. I mean, I don't think he's the future there because I don't think he's like special in any sort of way, but I can also see him being the starter for multiple years because Dave Aranda wants to win big 12 championships. And a lot of those defensive guys are fine having game manager quarterbacks. Is Kyron drones dead at this point? Four star yes. class. I mean, he, yes, yes, yeah, he is. Okay. I, I will say that. I think that, we need to include Jeff Grimes, at least for the time being, as one of those offensive coordinators that we need to pay attention to. Now, they may not have the offensive talent there now, but as he's there with Dave Aranda, I mean, Dave Aranda's last offensive coordinator was, um, I forgot, was Joe Brady So uh, uh, when he was at LSU. So, you know, I think Dave Aranda knows the value of having a high-scoring, high-octane offense and Jeff Grimes has produced that uh, in the past. So let's see if he can continue to recruit that type of talent there uh, in Waco. All right, let's move on here to, listen, we did this last week. We overreacted to the spring games that were played uh, the week prior. And we are so innovative with the content that we brought it back. We are overreacting to the spring game. So Austin Nace, why don't you start us off and give us some of your overreactions? Um, I feel like uh, I could overreact to a lot of these uh, Big Twelve games and say that Texas is going to win the Pac twelve or the Big Twelve, or or Baylor is going to win the Big Twelve. But you know who I'm actually going to pick to win the Big Twelve? Oklahoma State. Yes, Oklahoma State is going to be a dangerous team this year, guys. As long as Spencer Sanders cannot f up long enough uh, for the rest of the pieces there to work their magic. Jaden Bray has been, by all accounts, really, really good this year at camp. Um, I feel like we we had talked about like a year or so ago, and somebody said they really hated Jaden Bray, and one of us said they really liked Jaden Bray. I don't really remember who that was. I just called Jaden um, Bray a buy low a couple of weeks ago, so I don't even want to hear oh, that. A couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and you were like, oh, Taylor Shetron. I'm like, Taylor Shetron's doing – now all of a sudden Jaden Bray is doing well in camp. So Yeah, Shetron and Bray. There's your two-headed monster. Brennan Presley, you know, they're not really going to target the slot that much. We saw last year he had like 40 catches, but he's a, a dangerous, dangerous guy in that position. So now they've got two guys that they, you know, they usually like that kind of deep ball, jump ball, go get it. They got two of those guys now, plus Presley. I know you really like Dominic Richardson, Felix, the running back there. And then Ollie Gordon has apparently looked really good as well. He got hurt his first snap this week in that game, but by all accounts, it's, it's a minor injury. He'll be fine. I mean, really, as long as Spencer Sanders is, is okay, which he has been for the majority of his career until he he has a meltdown here or there. If they can do that, I seriously think they can win this conference a year where Oklahoma's probably down, where we think Texas is going to be good, but it, it, there's a lot of like what-ifs there. Uh, and Baylor, I mean, they lose they lose a running back. They lose uh, Taekwon Thornton. They lose a bunch of guys on defense. They're a leading linebacker, one of the better corners. So, like, it, it's an open conference. It really would not shock me if Oklahoma State won this thing and gets some playoff, serious playoff buzz. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a team that's like a quarterback away from being really dynamic. They're skill position players. They're three wide receivers, and they're running back, two running backs deep. I mean, very dynamic players for a college offense. It's just as is Spencer uh, Spencer Sanders going to be able to uh, distribute the ball to ever everyone there. Um, Matt, you want to give us some of your overreactions? I mean, is it, uh, are we going to start with your, your boys, uh, Hudson card and, and, and now we'll, I mean, we'll have- save them for a minute. I want to start with Caleb Williams and how he's just been like anointed the next coming of like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers combined because he destroyed an incredibly bad USC defense in the spring game. Like, come on people. Seriously. I, I think Caleb Williams is going to be good. I don't, I think it's, is it Nate that has him as number one in his CFF rankings? Right which makes some sense because of what you guys have talked about and that that defense is going to be so bad. But I also don't think that that offense is going to be as good as they showed in that spring game. That offensive line is still not that good. The wide receiver core, I think, is it needs to to grow up some outside of, of uh, God, what is it, Mario, and I cannot for the life of me now remember his last name. Williams. Williams, Mario sorry. Williams. Yeah, I know you're about to talk about him anyway. So, like, outside of Mario Williams, we don't know what that wide receiver core is going to look like. I, I don't think this offense is going to look nearly as good as it showed in that spring game, and everybody's talking about him now like, oh, 
he should be right up there with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young as a Heisman contender, and he's probably going to take USC to the playoffs. Like, I think USC is going to lose at least two games, and I don't know that Caleb Williams is going to be quite as good as everybody is saying now just because of what he did in spring game. But doesn't isn't the offensive line and the defense going to require that of him to be a dynamic rusher to do everything in the passing game? I mean, he's going to have to be an all world world player, which he is absolutely capable of. He is, but he's also going to play some better defenses that he did not play in the Big Twelve. the The couple times that he did, and I can't remember if it was Kansas or Kansas State, he struggled for a little bit in that game. There was one game that he was benched at one point. Now, granted, he could have grown. That was a true freshman, right? Like, I'm not going to say he's going to be what he was last year. But Oregon's defense is a lot better than anything he faced last year, and so is Utah's. I don't know that he's going to go out there and just be able to put everything on his shoulders with one wide receiver, an okay running game, a horrible offensive line, and just be like, hey, go get him, kid. Take us to the playoffs. Like, I still think they're going to be good. 2023 is probably their year to do something. But to just so many people going out there and saying he's a Heisman favorite and should be like a, a better guy than this and that is ridiculous off a of spring game to me. That that's kind of what just set me off. It's like let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be that good. He got Heisman hype last year after like four games. That was the most bizarre thing ever. Beca- to me. Beca- I think it was because of that Texas game though, and we all got excited about that too, though, right? I mean, he had. He brought him back, largest comeback in Oklahoma history in the Red River shootout. Like, it was a good game, and he looked good. But then again, and I've brought it up multiple times since then, if you go back and look at what he did the rest of the year, he wasn't as good sometimes as, like, people claim that he was. He struggled with some things. Now, Grant, doesn't mean he can't be better. He's had a whole year to improve, and he's stuck with the guy who believes in him in Lincoln Riley. So chances are he's going to be better than what we saw him at his worst moments last year. But I just don't think he's – I don't – think people should be elevating him to cj stroud and bryce young territory right now i just don't think he's there um i'm kind of off the underestimating caleb williams train i mean we did that before he was a freshman and then we kind of got slapped in the face of how he looked in the spring game how efficient he was as a pat the problem with caleb williams is he was a 55 percent completion percentage passer in high school and like all right he's gonna get better yeah he did he did get better, and he's gotten better even um, from Oklahoma to USC. My overreaction is, of course, one Mario Williams. Now, I remember being laughed at and ridiculed about Mario Williams. I mean, I even Austin even asked me, you have him ranked ahead of Marvin Mims? I said, yeah, because he has inside-out versatility, and I don't think that Marvin Mims has that inside-out versatility. Well, the – touchdown pass that Mar the two two passes that he caught were beating a quarter on the outside the one for the touchdown and then one of a very long gain where he got like seven yards of separation he was the I don't know like the seventh rated wide receiver in that class he was my freshman wide receiver number two always in the top 10 of my rankings just behind Jojo Earl I had him ranked ahead of a guy hall I had him ahead ahead of Ja'Cory Brooks and I think that it has panned out that, yes, he should be ranked ahead of those two. It's, it was, wasn't only just scheme fit, but he has the skill set that the NFL is looking for. He's quick twitch. He has speed. He can play outside. He can play the slot if you want to. I think that this is a future NFL player. I think that he could put up a 1,000 yards and eight, nine touchdowns uh, for USC this year because he looks to be their clear number one receiver. And if he's going to be deployed downfield as the number one receiver, then the sky's the limit is the sky's the limit for him because that was the problem last year is that he was used as the outlet on a lot of these RPO passes and was catching the ball around the line of scrimmage, which didn't make any sense because that's not how they used him in Oklahoma spring game that last year. So hopefully they deploy him downfield. And I mean Mario Williams is just he I think that he's he super high potential, very good football player, showed it in the spring game. The only worry I'd have about him being deployed like he was in that spring game is Gary Bryant coming back and playing the Marvin Mims role. I think there's a decent chance of that happening. Yeah, 
And Garrett Bryant has the opportunity to transfer. He hasn't transferred yet. So he and Michael Jackson, who you'd like there. Michael Jackson had one good game last year as a freshman, I think against Washington, like five for 78 or something like that. I actually like both of those players. But, I mean, there's there's those two. There's uh, the, the All-American Jake, whatever his name is, from Texas. There's um, Taj Lord. Washington from I don't Kyle. think Smith's on the roster anymore. Yeah. Just throw Oh, is he not? Jake Smith's uh, not there? Yeah. Well, he's still yeah. got Taj Washington, who's – Jake. wait, did Jake Smith – did he transfer? Because he transferred once. I don't think he's oh. with the team anymore. It's just what I've heard. Okay. He can't stay healthy, so I don't know if that the yeah. two are related. But. Well, there's lots of depth there, and it'll be interesting to see because if – Gary Bryant had success with Jackson Dart late last season. If he can have Jack, success with Jackson Dart, he can have success with Caleb Williams. And he projects to be the slot receiver. I mean, it would be – I guess it would be Brian on the inside, Williams on the outside, and then maybe Ford, the other outside wide receiver. So um, wh- what about uh, – okay, let me, let's me let transition here. Speaking of overreacting, we met, I mentioned Jackson Dart. A couple of quarterbacks had very bad performances. Drew Holler was one. Jackson Dart was the other. Did you – Matthew, did you did you move either of them down in your rankings as a result of the spring game? No. Uh, Dart, I think his is a major overreaction because he looked a lot better in the second half than he did in the first. Uh, I'm not really worried about Dart. He's kind of always been a gunslinger, and if we're being honest, that worked for Matt Corral for the most part there in Lane Kiffin's offense. And I th- I want to say it was you and uh, Colin Austin on Campus Life this week uh, talked about how much they ran Dart as well. If they're going to run him, he's bigger than Corral. Is If he's able to get some kind of rushing, it's like I said he's a top 30 quarterback. If he gets those kind of rushing attempts, even down at the goal line and gets some touchdowns, it's going to be better than that. So, no, I'm not worried about Dart. I'm not moving Alar down. It's definitely concerning, but maybe that's just because I wanted him to be better than and, and more ready than maybe he was. We had heard and read things that like, while he's been good and he was the top-rated quarterback, like he needed some growing up to do. And I read some things about James Franklin touting him, but there were times that Franklin said he's not ready, and f- clearly Franklin was not lying. So I'm not moving him down. One of those interceptions – he hit the wide receiver in the hands while I, he, in my opinion, he threw a little bit behind the receiver, which is kind of on Alar as well. In my opinion, he still hit the receiver in the hands. He probably should have caught it. The other one was just a clear miss. We saw like a veteran quarterbacks completely miss linebackers in the middle of the field in spring games the past two weeks as well. So I'm not moving him down as disappointing because I had hoped, I think I was one of the biggest guys saying, Hey, I think he's going to play this year. I think that's completely out the window now. But uh, I, I'm not moving him down unless this happens again. If we're talking about this next year in spring game, and then maybe at which point he will be moved down my ranks. Just something to remember on Drew Aller for everybody. I'm not. I'm not directing this at Matt. Is that he's really only been playing quarterback for like three years. Like really, um, was not really even really playing football leading up to that point, which is why he had that major overhaul. If you've seen any of the videos uh, and like his throwing motion, because he he was just out there like just like. Like I would go out there and throw a football. Like I don't know anything about you know like getting my proper <laughs> mechanics and stuff. So awesome. yeah, I'm Just like wildly gesturing here on camera for anybody not watching right now. Um, so I think that's something to to consider with him and why he still needs a year. I still think he has, uh, if not the highest ceiling in the class, then then definitely a top three ceiling. But that's still why. I moved Devin Brown over him a couple of months ago because I just think he's. I think he's got a very close ceiling and I think he's more ready now. And so give, uh, he feels a little bit safer to me. And so I'll, I'll take, you know, the, the perceived, you know, 5% less ceiling that I think is a little more likely to get there um, over Aller. But I didn't, I didn't move Aller and I moved uh, uh, Dart down, I believe one spot. So not really. I don't know if uh, you guys have seen the Twitter video the, of the guy yes, that's made of fun the of actor. all the time. Yeah, that's, the that's, what, that's, that's, that's exactly what Austin all. looked like. <laughs> He looked like a Disney <laughs> child trying to pretend to be a quarterback and throwing that. Um, I'll say this about – well, I'll say this about Drew Aller. His comp is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, a very raw player who took some time to develop. And quite frankly, Josh Allen – uh, is, is a player who functions better out of structure and out of structure play doesn't work that well in a spring game where the quarterbacks aren't live. So let's wait and see on, on drew 
on Drew Aller, who is still my – I don't even – I don't remember if it's either him or Brown as my number one quarterback in the class, but very highly talented. Matt, I do want to ask you about Jackson Dart because you said that he's a top 30 quarterback. I feel like everybody has him in the top 10. Sorry, I'm talking about for, website. A, for, for a CFF scoring. I'm sorry. I didn't specify that. No. We we were talking about on – I don't remember who I was talking with on Twitter. Uh, oh, uh, Moxley, because Moxley is on a vengeance against Dart now because some of us have said that I think Dart can beat, which he's probably not going to be, with especially as bad as USC's defense is. But I, I said that I, I thought at the end of the day those two would be close enough that I would take Dart over Caleb Williams earlier after the transfer, and he was saying that he doesn't think Dart would even be a top 30 CFF quarterback, and I disagree with that. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, those are overreactions to the spring game. A couple of housekeeping elements here. I do want to remind everyone about the Debbie Summit, May 22nd, starting at noon Eastern. Myself, Matt Hicks from the Rookie Big Board, and of course, big homie Brandon Lejeune, Debbie Deep Dive on Twitter. We've got a, an outstanding lineup uh, for the afternoon and into the evening. We are going to be raising money for Ukrainian refugee relief efforts. That war obviously still going on. So you are going to want to tap in, as the kids say, on May 22nd from noon Eastern all the way until 6 Eastern. Um, I'll be there. Matt Bruning will be there. Austin's going to be at Elite 11 uh, on that particular day or coming to Elite 11. So please tap in. Prize picks. If you are paying attention to uh, the NBA playoffs, please go ahead and use promo code C2C. Just think about it. You get $20. They match your deposit up to $100. You can get $29.99 towards a year-long subscription at our website. It just so happens that a year-long subscription at C2C is uh, the $29.99 for the uh, walk-on tier. So pay attention to that. And, hey, you're not going to pay attention. If you're not going to use prize picks, pay attention to Sharp Sports. No relation. Sharp Sports on uh, YouTube. Big presence on, on the YouTube scene. Got over 224,000 subscribers. Some of his videos have literally had millions of views. He's going deep into classes. And he's a C2C ambassador. So pay attention to his video. Subscribe to uh, Sharp Sports on YouTube. Let's go in here, Austin, to the best takes of the spring uh i'm laughing at your note here on the show sheet what were some of your best takes <laughs> i uh, for anybody at home i wrote none i stink um but i think the one that is is shaping up to be the best is, is really been my year-long love affair with clay millen is like my favorite awesome oh, that was stash. no oh. it's been me um it is but, but you know just Austin said he didn't have any, so it's just like, go ahead, Austin. You can have this yeah. one. Did you put Millen on there? Whatever. Regardless. Um, Millen's been a guy where I was saying all last offseason, like, Carson Strong is gone. He wants uh, – Norvell wants a quarterback that is going to not only have the arm to push the ball downfield, but the mentality, the 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 almost, like, need to push the ball downfield. That's just what that offense requires. Clay Millen is that kind of player. And, you know, I don't want to get – too hot takey with this um because Carson Strong you know I like I he has the knee issue and I think that's going to scare away a lot of NFL teams I think a lot of people who really like Carson Strong have kind of come around to just that being like a fact of life I'll tell you what like Clay Millen might end up being the guy that the NFL likes more when he comes out and I think a lot of it could be because he does not have that knee injury but they have a very similar skill set he's big he can move he's I, I th- he's not inaccurate. I think he's that's still something he's going to be working on. But they have a lot of weapons there at Colorado State. Um, Stovall, they have Horton, they have Dante Wright, they have Gary Anderson, the tight end. Like they, it's it, it's it's a lot of guys that maybe aren't like household names. They're kind of you know, if you're a CFF junkie or a C2C guy, it's like you know. But but they they are very good college players, and I think that stable of weapons in that conference. I think they're going to make some serious noise. I think Clay Millen is going to be on a lot of radars. And I think if you aren't taking him seriously, if you're in a Debbie draft, it's Debbie depleted. You get past six or seven rounds. I would have no problem trying to hit Clay Millen in a regular Debbie league and in a C2C league. I think your, your, your year of getting him at pick four in the round 40 is gone. I think if you're not taking him by round 15 now, very similar to, to Hunter Deckers, to, 
um, you know, some of these other guys who are now going way earlier than they were last offseason because you didn't stash them then. He just falls into that category. In Millen, you can stash, you could probably plug in as a starter uh, if you are going zero QB um, in your draft, but definitely giving you an excuse to stay up and watch Mountain West Conference games. That's what one thing I love about Campus to Canton is your knowledge base of the player pool expands every single year, and you can pretty much watch any game and and know the backgrounds of these particular players. Um, Dante Wright has not been very effective there, at least yet. I mean, dynamic freshman season seems like years ago now in 2020 with Warren playing alongside Warren Jackson uh, there at Colorado State. So we got to wait and see if he's actually going to have a role there at Colorado State under Jay Norvell, whose offense is is really dynamic. Matthew, um, what are some of your uh, best takes or – all right, so Matthew just disappeared, so I'll, I'll give you my best take. Um, the thing about C2C is that you can have a take and it just not be the right year uh, for that take to manifest. And I think that that was true for Hunter Deckers, who you just mentioned, who I knew would be backing up Brock Purdy, but deployed as a starter this year. But also one Anthony Richardson. It was very easy to see that he was the best athlete uh, coming in as a freshman. You can go ahead and look at his measurables and you can see how he played against some lower competition last year in relief of Emory Jones. But we are talking about someone who's, I can't, there's no, like he's a fast, a fast Cam Newton. I mean, someone who can run over your linebackers and outrun your defensive backs in the running game, he just needs to improve like ever so slightly in the passing game. We know that he has the arm strength. He was at the Elite 11 Regionals throwing the ball 70 yards. He just has to have the processing ability, the timing, the touch. And if he can develop that and give Billy Nace Pierce some credit if he can develop that, he's going to be a top five. He's just it. He's just going to be a top five pick if he reaches that potential. That means that in a class that looked to have only CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling of both of them because of what he can do in the running game. This is someone who could legitimately run for a thousand yards in the NFL. This is somebody who could legitimately run for 15 touchdowns in the NFL. So it's one Anthony Richardson who was one of my guys last year when we did the, my guys show is Anthony Richardson. So that take is going to manifest itself this year, and I promise I am not going to be an ass. Hey, Felix, I have a question for you. uh I think the only comparable player we've seen to him from like a physical standpoint, and I think they're even slightly different athletes over the past decade plus, is probably Cam Newton. Like he's not Michael Vick. He's so much bigger than Michael Vick. He's so much bigger than Lamar Jackson. Like they're not – that's not the comparable, and I think he's more athletic than like a Josh Allen who we think is like a a – Cam Newton's really the only guy – how like does he even actually have to get that much better at passing for an NFL team just to say like F it like I see Cam Newton if I squint my eyes a little bit here? Well, so the thing I don't think that we've seen an offense function at the level Anthony Richardson showed passing last year. You know what I mean? Like they would be at a severe disadvantage. You're talking about I don't know, like what they try to do with Pat White in Miami, kind of running some sort of wildcat offense, which by the way, I mean, you might be able to win with Anthony Richardson as your wildcat quarterback, but he does need to show some development in that area to be for a team thinking as innovatively as the Baltimore Ravens saying, all right, we're going to build a team around this guy. Um, But we saw it with Tim Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow was a terrible passer, didn't have nearly the arm talent that Anthony Richardson did and he was taken in the in the first round. So I think we are headed towards Anthony Richardson being a first round pick. On the other hand, one Hunter Deckers, who by all accounts has been very good. He came in as a freshman a little bit overweight, 236 pounds, something like that at 6'2. And you can tell that he really slimmed down. I would bet that he is under, you know, around 225, maybe under 225 now. The all-time leading uh, passer or yardage holder in the high school in Iowa in a very good offense in a, in a conference with defenses that aren't great. 
I these are two players that I have been pounding the table for since last year, and we're gonna see. I'm, I'm not going. It it looks good now. They've had very good springs. Richardson had it. Richardson's Heisman odds increased substantially after the spring game. We didn't get to see uh, Hunter Decker's spring game, only clips where he scored a touchdown. But he's going to be a part of that running game that lost Brees Hall. He's going to be obviously a focus of the passing game. I just think that I think that I'm going to end up being right on both of these takes. All right. Uh, Matthew, what do you got as far as best takes? Uh, I think my best one, which I'm just going to be 100% honest, is probably going to happen just by pure accident and happenstance, but uh, is Troy Franklin and Emeka Egbuka are going to break that uh, second-year breakout thing that Mike Valeri posted on Twitter uh, a while back where like uh, guys who really didn't do much in their first years and then come out and have 900-plus receiving yards, I think it's like five touchdowns or something like that. While Troy Franklin wasn't necessarily the talk of the Oregon spring game, it went more to Thornton and Seven McGee, who Seven McGee, I'm going to claim, even though it was really just because of what I read and heard in the spring reports is the only reason I talked about it, if I'm being honest. But both those guys definitely looked better. But I think Franklin is the best of that group. And Bo Nix, while I don't know if he's going to be an absolute stud, I think can be good for that offense, and he's going to throw the ball down the field. Lanning has said that he wants that. He does not seem to be following in the Kirby smart footsteps of, I want a game manager. I'm going to play defense and run the ball. He wants to pass the ball down the field. If they do that, Troy Franklin has a chance to do that. And so does Emeka Buka. I, I said it beforehand. Everybody was off of him. Like, nope, no shocks. He's not going to start. He's going to be this guy. And I tried telling everybody, they want him to be this super sub, even if Julian Fleming starts over him. He's going to come in for Marvin Harrison, JSN, and Julian Fleming, he's going to be all over the field. He's learned all three positions. We saw a little bit a bit in that spring game. And last year, all three of those receivers had over 900 receiving yards. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, JSN. Both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave missed games. JSN did not. I think easily they're going to have three guys who go over again this year because we know defenses are going to focus in on JSN. He'll get his. But Marvin Harrison's going to have a good season, and I do think one other player will, and it's going to be Mecca, in my opinion. That's what I said. Got a lot of kickback on that from a lot of people on our team, and I really think I'm going to be proven right by that just based on what those guys have done in the spring. I'm shocked that Matt's take related to Ohio State. I want just to for my make boy a prediction. Wade, man. Just, just for my boy Wade. I just feel like I want to um, make him happy. Matthew's referring to a review uh, of the show, which complained about Matthew's takes on Ohio State. I want to make a prediction for next year. I think that next year you will see the sports networks invest more uh, resources into spring games. There's no – like, if I was Fox Sports this Saturday where you had all of these spring games that they had rights to – I would have had a big noon kickoff. I would have had a big noon kickoff. We would have been checking in, you know, on network television, on Fox with these spring games. Instead of we're paying attention to this USFL stuff. No, like you can have, you can do this over multiple weeks where you are checking in with spring games. That's how big, I mean, you saw Oklahoma spring game, how many fans they had there at the game. I think that next year we see ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS, Invest money. You might see Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush doing um, uh, a spring game, a noon kickoff, a, a broadcast television show for the spring games. It all it just makes sense. All right, Mike, Valerie, um, you are going to be taking over the after show here. It's it's all of us. Sorry, we didn't get kicked off. Uh, who are you bringing on? Uh, yeah, I'm bringing on Corey, the the Debbie team lead here at Campus of King, and we're going to be talking about just five guys here. We're talking about Marvin Mims. Uh, Dwayne McBride, Dontavion Wicks, and Jerkovic and Cardwell. All right. So, of course, check out the after show. Check out the website. Um, there is always something new. We've just gotten a, a new writer on the team. Is that right, Austin? You uh, probationary period, but yes. Yes. So. <laughs> probationary. He's, he's writing draft pro- content. We'll see where it goes from there. But yes, he's he's great so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Obviously, the lineup of podcasts on the camp- Campus to Can podcast feed. You got Chasing the Natty on Mondays, Campus Life on uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning. 
you're listening or watching Debbie Debate right now, Canton Bound on Thursdays, the official on Thursdays, also the Hero RB Show, which, I mean, for my money, is the best minute-for-minute podcast that there is out there featuring uh, Noah Hills, who also does work for Player Profiler, uh, Breakout Finder, and BDGE. So check out the Hero RB Show, the Future Freshman Podcast on Friday. And um, I think we're done with the Daily Draft Report, but if you want to check out uh, uh, 15 minutes on any of the prospects that you could be considering uh, in your Campus to Canton drafts, or your dynasty rookie drafts, excuse me, you can check out the daily draft report hosted by Dwight Peebles and um, spring practice recaps, I think are done, but you may check in on the YouTube page for those. All right. That is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies, Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We went a little bit longer with the spring game uh, overreactions, but we will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.